before I give this message, um, Lord help, you know, I'm not good at giving messages like this, but I can give it. Um, I want to, I, I have to make a confession to you. I'm going to confess my failures here. I'm not necessarily going to call them sin, but maybe they are because, um, you know, every, during holiday times, like starting about Thanksgiving through Christmas, you know, you have lots of good food and desserts, right? How many people love desserts? Oh, man, I just love sweets. And uh, so that time of year, I just sort of, you know, indulge. But usually I try to stop, you know, after the holidays are over with. Well, last, this year, you know, last holidays on into the first part of the year, I didn't stop. I didn't stop indulging. You know what I'm saying? I just kept going, and about the end of February, I, I noticed, I felt like, man, I got a lot of inflammation in my body. You know what I'm talking about? You know, sugar will make your body inflamed. I hate, I hate to say that because I love it so much, but I'd get up in the morning, I'd feel stiff, and, uh, you know, and so I decided uh, somewhere around the, towards the end of February, maybe the middle of February, I was going to go cold turkey on sweets. I mean, I mean, I quit, and it was rough, man. I mean, I was like, you know, like trying to quit smoking or something. That's how bad it was. Like for two weeks, I just craved sweets because I'd gotten where I was eating them after lunch, you know, even lunch. You know what I'm saying? Every time I ate something, I wanted to have a, a, some kind of sweets. So I quit, and uh, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. <laughs> it's because how bad I've been. <laughs> So, you know, I quit. Finally, I got over it, and I haven't, I haven't not ate any sweets until this week. And I went to this uh, pastor's, don't ever go to a pastor's retreat <laughs> if you're not trying to eat sweets. And so I got there, and we were having lunch, and they said, oh, we got some really good oatmeal raisin cookies. I thought, well, heck, <laughs> I'll have one. Well, what, five cookies later. <laughs> Then that night for supper, they said, we have some really good strawberry shortcake. Well, heck, I love strawberry shortcake, too. So the next day at lunch, more oatmeal raisin cookies. Well, finally, we got away from there. You know, I got away from all the sweets. Like, I'm going home, and there's no sweets in the house. It's strict in my house about food, except little things for the grandkids, which you dare not touch <laughs> if you want to have a hand, but. <laughs> so I was uh, uh, out yesterday running some errands, and Jacob Early uh, told me about this. Uh, you know where Josh's Produce is over on Williamson Road? Well, they got these donuts over there. <laughs> and Jacob said they're, they're uh, equal to uh, Brit's Donuts at Carolina Beach. I don't know if you've ever had Brit's. They're like some of the best donuts, I mean, in the world. I mean, they are like, you, if you get them, you can probably eat about 10 of them. That's how good they are. So uh, I thought, well, you know, I'm already just have fallen so far here. I think I'm going to go and get me one of those donuts. And sure enough, I can tell you, those donuts, they're big, number one, and they are like, they're Brits-level donuts. And I, I got six of them because I thought... <laughs> I wasn't actually planning on eating six. I was going to take them. I got them. I thought, gosh, why did I get six donuts? <laughs> they're kind of pricey, but they're huge. They're like that big. I thought, I'm going to give them to my grandkids. That's what I'm going to do. 
So I called, and turns out my grandkids were not available. <laughs> so I had to take the donuts home with me, which was not good. I'm not going to tell you how many I ate, but they're good, though. It was all kind of worth it, but I just noticed uh, this morning I was feeling a little like, uh, I got I to gotta repent. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna buy anymore. <laughs> I told my I told Philip that he needs to take his grandkids, my grandkids over and get them some. They are really good. I mean, I'm, honestly, they're too good. Well, praise the Lord. Um, the Lord's good too, right? Uh, so Andre from uh, Love Life texted me this morning, and I want to encourage you with this. Is he told me there were last week there were ten babies saved in Charlotte? Isn't that great? Ten. So. He really feels like there's getting to be uh, more and more momentum uh, on this. I I didn't know that abortions had actually increased during this time until just then. Um, So, you know, let's really, uh, you know, we're going to send you a little video. Maya's going to send you a a video every day this week to encourage you, uh, encourage you to pray uh, Wednesday. And if you can fast, fast, uh, you know, something. Or or, may, or you can do it another day. It doesn't have to be on Wednesday. But Wednesday's a big day uh, for abortions, Wednesdays and Saturdays. So <clears throat> I just really encourage you to do that. And, um, you know, because that's really a terrible sin in our nation. Uh, it's, it's a sin all over the world. It always has been, you know. And we're believing that God's going to do something about that. But we believe that we're part of the answer. Amen? And so if you can come Saturday, that would be great. Um, if you can't, you can do the live stream, which is, is interesting because they do connect you with other abortion centers all over the country. And, you can, and they have a person talking that tells you what's happening. I, I did one when I was doing it in Charlotte once, the, the whole thing, and... It was interesting getting to hear what was happening in other places also. So it, that's pretty good. But being there is nothing like being there, right? Just like there, you can watch church on television or thing, and that's great, but it's better in person because there's something, you know. That, so, you know, I mean, I'm going to meet the Lord in person, right? That's what I'm looking for, and that's going to be the best. So, amen. I'm gonna. I want to read these uh, these scriptures to you. Um, and what this is just amazing. Uh, I'm gonna read it in Genesis 22, 1 through five this morning. Uh, this is about Abraham, um, and it's about God's covenant love and mercy towards people. And that really all connects in with this thing that we're focusing on today: abortion. So I'll try to help tie it in. Uh, it says, sometimes later, God tested Abraham's faith. Woo, that's something, isn't it? God tested Abraham's faith. So, you know, the father of faith. He said, Abraham, uh, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. I take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Whoa. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. 
Stay here with the donkeys, Abraham told the servants. The boy, boy and I will travel a little further, and we will worship there, and then we will come right back. So I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'll tell you a little bit. But I just wanted to kind of introduce this. You know, cause, and this is like just packed with just amazement, uh, you know, in here. I mean, there's just so much that's so prophetic. And this whole story is just absolutely one of the most prophetic stories in the Bible uh, concerning, concerning Christ and what would eventually happen to Jesus on the cross. Uh, so this is one of the most powerful stories. Um, one, you know, everybody in this room, your faith is going to be tested uh, at some point in your walk with the Lord. I, um, it's going to be tested a lot. And so, and you know, the Bible teaches us that we're tested to bring forth the gold in us. The goal, the, 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 the purpose, the, the glory of God is not to see us fail. Because really in the Lord, you, you really can't fail. <laughs> I've come to that conclusion. Like you can't fail in the Lord. You know, you, you're, you're going to be a success because God is always going to make that so for you. you. You may fail in a natural sense, but God will use it all for His glory and, and to build you up and bring you forth where the the... The image of Christ, the, the nature of Christ can be released in the earth. Another thing that's really powerful here is uh, I just love how he says, take your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. I mean, that's powerful, whom you love, and, and it's the parental love that God was talking about right there. And actually, this is the first place in the Bible where the word love is used in the context of a father's love for his... Isn't that an amazing... Just that right there is, is mind-blowing to me. God had a lot of years to be able to talk about love before this. He had Enoch. He had Noah. He had Abel. He had some amazing people, but he chose this as to be the moment in the, in the history of mankind where God wanted to talk to man about love and begin to reveal how God looked at love. And God always sees love as, a, as like a father's love for his children. That's, the love, that's what God's love is first and foremost about, is his love for his family. And he knew that Abraham had this deep love in him. And, and every Christian needs to, to have a revelation of God's, the, the Father's love. I think we've talked about that a million times, but we can never talk about it enough because that is the key revelation. That's the key revelation. That's why Jesus, Jesus said, I came to reveal the Father. John 14, read it. John 14, verse 7, starting in verse 7. Have you been with me so long when Philip said, show us the Father? It's enough. He said, have I been with you so long and you haven't seen, you haven't known? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. His whole purpose, his whole purpose, Jesus' purpose was to show us what God the Father was really like and that the Father is love and the Father. And so, so this is just in a beautiful, beautiful moment here because God was relating to the, to the feelings 
of Abraham. God stooped down in a sense. He put himself on Abraham's level. The son you dearly love, the son you care so much about. You're everything, the pride of your life, the joy of your heart. That's what God was saying to Abraham at that moment. And I want you to take him and I want you basically to kill this son. I want you to murder this son. Now listen, it wasn't unusual for where Abraham lived and for the time Abraham lived, there was child sacrifice going on daily for thousands of years. For thousands of years, children were being sacrificed. So for Abraham to hear this, it wasn't some new thought. Suddenly now we're going to start killing kids? Like this is how we're going to do this? No, this is what the culture around them was embedded. It was embedded in that culture. It was, the, it was the norm of that culture. They sacrificed these children to their gods so they would get rain on their land, their crops would produce, their animals would be healthy and produce. All of that, that's, that's what they did. They gave their children for this and their children's blood. And so that whole land, we'll read in a minute, was just stained with the blood of thousands, perhaps thousands and ten thousands of children. Over, over two, two to three thousand years this was going on. And so in that context, God spoke to Abraham and said, this is what I want you to do. So Abraham heads out. And I've often, I love this story. I've often thought of how Abraham felt on that journey. Can you imagine how he felt? Okay, let's just put yourself as a parent in a situation like that. That in three days, you were your son that you loved. I mean, it wasn't just, oh, Abraham was full of favor. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be cool. You know, he was not a robot. He was a human being who had feelings. And he realized that he was going to have to go through something that was going to break his heart. No matter what the outcome was. No matter what the outcome was, he knew that he was going to go through something that was going to tear him apart on the inside. So I imagine for those three days, he, he, was, he was just torn up. He was just torn up, even though he was a man of great faith. But this is something amazing here. When he got there in verse 5, stay here with the donkeys is what he told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. Listen, we will worship there. And this is the first time the word worship is used in the entire Bible also. Isn't that amazing? We will worship there. And that word uh, literally means to go lie prostrate, to go get on our face before God, humble ourselves before God. And so God was, you know, I mean, here's two of the greatest things as believers that we know is, is, is love and our expression of love. Worship is brought into this story. And this is where God wanted all of this to be introduced because this story is very pro- prophetic about God, about Abraham representing God the Father and Isaac re- representing Jesus Christ 2,000 years later. And so this is what this story was giving us a glimpse into what God himself was going to do at, at some point. Well, I um, also noticed that Abraham said uh, he, was, he was a man of great faith. We will come back. We, me and Isaac, we're going up here, we're going to worship, and we're going to come back. Now, that's a, that's a bold statement. That's supernatural. But here's the thing I think we, we've got to, to get, and I don't, I don't think we have it, is Abraham said that based on something 
that God did in his life in Genesis 15 is God made a covenant with Abraham, okay, in Genesis 15. They call it the Abrahamic covenant. And the new covenant is basically uh, an upgrade of that covenant. It's basically that covenant brought into the, in Christ brought in and really affirmed the covenant of Abraham. That's our our whole covenant that we have with God today. But here's what I'm saying, is the reason Abraham could say me and the child are going there because Abraham understood the reality of what a covenant with God was all about. Abraham's faith was based in something that was beyond what we really understand. It was based in the purpose of who God says he is. Okay, and so based on what God is, and see, see, back in those days, everything worked on covenants. People made covenants with each other. That's how they survived. In other words, if you were a person, uh, a small clan of people, you would go make a covenant with a larger clan of people. So if you got in trouble, they would be there for you. They would be there to protect you. They'd be there to fight for you. And if you went and fought somebody that had a covenant with another person, it was like you were going and fight that person. If that person heard you were picking on one of the people you had covenant with, it was just as good as picking on them, and they were going to come and do something about it. And see, God has made a covenant. He made a covenant with Abraham, and Abraham could say, I'm going to believe that God's going to keep his word to me. And if you go back and read in Hebrews, I think, 11, verse 8, Abraham, it says, Abraham reckoned in his mind, in his mind, that even if Isaac was to die, that God would raise him up. God would raise him up. In other words, he had settled in his mind, I'm going to take that knife and I'm going to plunge it into his heart. That's the agony that he was feeling. Even though he believed with all his heart and soul that God would raise him up if he did that. If he killed him, God would raise him up because God was a covenant-keeping God. Are y'all? We don't get this. You don't get this. I don't get this. Because if we did, we'd be the people of faith where we could speak the word of the Lord with power. We don't have power in a church because we don't really understand what God has done for us and how God is committed to us. He's committed to backing us up. He's committed us to do things for us. Until we get that revelation, I think we'll continue to operate at a low level, at this low level we're in. I really believe that. I think understanding and having a revelation of covenant is one of the great keys to having power. And being able to do the work of God the way God did it. Because Abraham was totally sewed into this thing with God. Well, you know, the rest of the story is he went up there. He piled up the wood. He, he, threw, his, he threw Isaac up there and had pulled out his knife and was fixing to go. And this that says the angel of the Lord, which was the Lord himself, grabbed him and said, Stop! And at that point, you know, spoke to him like, Now, I know you wouldn't keep your only son from me. You would do anything for me. And then there was this ram that was called into bushes, and the ram became the sacrifice. And, uh, you know, that's the Jehovah Jireh. You ever heard that song? Jehovah Jireh, our provider is sufficient. Yeah, that's a great charismatic song. Well, that came from this story. Abraham says, this is the mountain, this is Jehovah Jireh. He got to know God as the provider, that God would provide. Okay? But here's the thing. If you talk to any uh, conservative, I don't know about liberal, probably not liberal Hebrew scholars or rabbis, they all tell you this. This is, the really, the mean, this is one of the great meanings of this story. God will never accept human sacrifice. At that point, God was saying, 
never, 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 never sacrifice your children for me. Never sacrifice your children for anything. I do not accept human blood. That's what God was saying at that point. I do not accept human sacrifice. I don't want it. I don't care for it. Because God had a plan. His plan was, I've got to sacrifice. I'm the one that's going to make the sacrifice. That's what this story is about. Is that God was saying, I'm going to provide the blood. I don't want the blood of children. I want my blood to be shed. I want my blood to be poured out. That's how, why this was so powerful. God was annulling what all the wicked pagan people were doing. He was saying, I don't want that. I don't like that. I forbid that. And if you go through church history, the early church fought Rome tooth and nail over child sacrifice because Rome was big into it. They stood up to it. The, earth, the Jews of that time were standing up to Rome. They were standing up to him. Go study history. And you'll see they were saying abortion's wrong. They may not use that word. That's not a great word. It's murder. Murder's wrong. Especially murder of children. Are y'all following this? And so that's really where the heart of God is revealed in terms of when we talk about abortion. And that's why this is a big deal. Abortion is a big deal. I hope you're doing fine here. God bless everybody, right? I'm trying to behave. Uh, there was this amazing story. I don't have time. I'm not going to take the time to read it to you. It's in Luke 13. Many of you will know it. Uh, it was in a synagogue. Jesus was talking in the synagogue, and there was a woman, it said, that was bent over like that. She was walking around. That was her life. And Jesus healed her on the Sabbath. God forbid he did something on the Sabbath. And of course, the leaders took issue with Jesus. They took issue with him doing that. And he was like, he said, think about it. This daughter of Abraham has been bound by Satan for 18 years. Shouldn't she be freed? Notice what he said, what he called this woman. That's important. That's a big hint. He called her daughter of Abraham. Daughter of covenant. Let me say, that's what he was saying. She's a daughter of covenant. A daughter of the covenant has God's ear like Abraham had God's ear. They can touch God's heart. God will supersede Sabbath laws because He hears their cry. He sees their condition. And so He pushes everything aside because God made a covenant. And those people, those people, those leaders, they knew that right away when He said that. They knew, he was talking directly to them. They got that. They understood this daughter of Abraham thing and they weren't really willing to go there with Jesus. And when we begin to really tap into that where we're daughters, we're sons of a covenant, we have God's ear. We have God's ear. We don't believe we do, but we have His ear. We have His heart. We can touch His heart. And we can get what we need from God. Because 
there's a covenant that's been made. Now, y'all help. Y'all help. Help me. Uh, you know, in the Bible, uh, okay, I just want to say this. Biblically, a covenant provides a framework for relationship. Without covenant, there's no relationship when it comes to God. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? So don't look at me and think I'm just talking about covenant. That's not a big deal. And yeah, we, yeah, we should get that. No, we can't have a relationship with God, with God without a covenant. That's why covenant is everything. That's why we need to really ask God to give us a revelation of his covenant with us. Because until we have that revelation, we're going to operate in limitation. We're not going to be able to tap in to everything. We're not going to have that faith like Abraham had, where Abraham knew that God would listen to him when he talked to him. Abraham knew that he could sway God about certain things. Like, my God, would you, would you destroy a city if there were 50 righteous in there? Well, Abraham, if you don't think I should, I probably shouldn't. You hear what I'm telling you? Wonder what would have happened if Abraham would never had that conversation with God. Wonder what would have happened. See, there's, some, there's something to all that. And all that was trying to tell us something. It was trying to get us to see something about who God is. In fact, here's the thing I think we're... I don't think we can really understand God, the God of the Old Testament without, rightly without understanding the God of the Covenant. Because to me, if you just read that story I just read to you, go kill your son. That seems like the cruelest, craziest thing in the world. God, why would you even do that to me? Why would you make me go through this? And, that, and that's coming from a mind and coming from a heart that doesn't understand the covenant God. And when we begin to understand that God of the covenant, we can begin to understand his actions much better and why he's done such things. That's important because God is constantly being reviled in this earth over stuff, over why he did this, why he did that. Why hasn't he healed this? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? God is being blamed for stuff constantly that God hasn't done. He really is. And it's because we don't really understand God. We don't, we don't understand his covenant nature and how God operates and what God does. Once a person steps into covenant of God, things become clearer. And his ways become clearer. And if they're not clear, we can still trust him because we know he keeps his covenant. I don't think y'all getting this. I want to get it myself. I do. I'm not claiming I've got it. I want it. I'm hungry for this. I've been going after this for years of my life because I feel like there's something in my life that I'm missing about God. And I boiled it down to this. Whew. All right, let me just read another. Let's, let's shift over to Psalm 106. So I'm going to read verse 28, verse 37 through 38, and verse 45. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Psalm 106. Psalm 105 and Psalm 106 are great places to start if you want to understand God's covenant heart. Okay, Psalm 105 is about the blessings of God's covenant. And if you read it, it talks all about the goodness of God and things that God has done. The blessings of God. Remember the Lord. Remember, you know, he did this. Well, Psalm 106 is like a catalog of sin. 
of God's covenant people, a list of terrible sins. It, it just goes haywire on there. Here's what one, one commentator said. Uh, the keynote of Psalm 105 is remember his mighty deeds. The keynote of one, Psalm 106 is they forgot his mighty deeds. But they go together. They actually think they may possibly could have been one psalm at one point. They believe David wrote these two psalms. And the reason being is the first, I think, 15 or 16 verses of Psalm 105, you can find that in Chronicles when David brought the ark into Jerusalem after, he, after it had been lost. It's the same words are repeated. It was a song that was sung. It was really powerful psalms just to read and meditate on and let the Lord speak to you and speak to your heart about God's covenant and about who God is and about God's goodness because I feel like we need people to stop this mess, okay? I just feel this. I'm tired of hearing Christian people badmouth God and blame God for stuff that God hasn't done. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing people doubting God and they're going to deconstruct their faith because God hasn't acted the way he's supposed to. I'm tired of hearing that stuff. I'm tired of it. Hey, I heard this story about Buzz Aldrin. Y'all remember Buzz? He went to the moon. He was at something. I guess this was back in his younger days. <laughs> this is funny. I heard this story. Buzz Aldrin was at this thing talking about going to the moon. And, you know, there's people that don't believe uh, that man went to the moon. And after the meeting, after he finished giving his talk, this guy came up and started questioning about it. And he, you know what he said? I'm tired of this. <laughs> Bam! He punched the guy. I feel like the church needs to start thinking like this. I think it's time for us to start throwing some spiritual punches. You know? I do. I'm telling you I do. God is getting a bad name. And I'll tell you, Christians are the worst at giving God a bad name. Because God doesn't act the way they think or he doesn't fit their understanding of him. We need to humble ourselves and start repenting for saying bad things about God. And misrepresenting God. And when we don't understand God, we can just say, God, I don't understand. But here's the key. Here's what I learned in my life when I went through, been through hell, okay, and back. Is I want you to tell me why this is happening. But just in case you decide not to tell me, I'm still good with you. I'm still going to love you because I believe you're a loving God and you're a good God. And that's going to be the thing that dictates the rest of my thoughts about you. I might not like what you're doing or appreciate it, but I'm going to believe that it's for my best. And so we really need to start stirring ourselves. And when we begin to start questioning God in that way, there's nothing wrong with asking God questions. But when we start questioning his integrity and his goodness and his love, and we start forsaking him, we're off. We're off. It's going to hurt us. Okay, well, you know, that was just my little... You know, God is big enough to defend himself, but you know, I'm going to throw some stuff in. Let me, read, let me read this in Psalm 106, verse 28. It says, Then our ancestors joined in the worship of Baal at Peor, or of Baal at Peor. They even ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They ate sacrifices. Baal at Peor. That was the Molech God, and that was well known. For children's sacrifice. That was the, one of the main things the worship of that God was all about is you had to sacrifice your babies constantly. They were constantly giving their babies to this, to this demonic spirit 
Okay, if it's demonic spirit, listen to what verse 37 says, 38. They even sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters. We're talking about Israel right now. God's talking about Israel. This is to Israel. That they fell into this sin. The blood of their sons and daughters. By sacrificing them to the idols of Cana, they polluted the land with murder. They polluted the land with murder. That's God's view of abortion. It's murder. And God, and the word of God right here says it's pollution. We've polluted the United States with murder. Those abortion centers are run by demonic spirits. It's not just crazy people doing crazy things. It's this spirit of Baal is just as much, or that spirit of Baal didn't go out of style. It just changed the way he looked. Okay, they're not putting, they don't have high places where they're bringing the baby up there and everybody's gathering around doing crazy stuff for everybody to see. They're doing it in secret. They're killing babies in secret. They may have different reasons for it, but it's a spirit, it's a demon. And at the end of the day, God would say, we're doing the same thing. We're sacrificing our babies to demons. That's what God would say. That's, what, that's God's perspective on abortion. That's just, this is the Bible. This is what we have to go on. This is the counsel of God. And no matter what anybody else says, this overrules what everybody else says. Now, that's really where we've got to get to the church. What does the Word say? That's what we're sticking with. And we can politicize that or all that stuff. But the bottom line is, this is what it says. Now, that's the truth. That is the truth. It's murder, and in God's eyes, it's pollution. It's polluted our lands. But this is amazing. So what happened to them, if you read on the rest of that, God scattered them, the Israel. Into, you know, they, they got defeated. They, they were at one point feared by all the nations. They were so powerful because God was with them in their midst, and and nobody, everybody was afraid of them. Everybody was coming to make uh, treaties and covenants with them because they were so scared of them because they were powerful because the God of Israel was fighting their battles. But once they began to drift from God, they lost their power because God was their power. God was the one who blessed them. God was the one that enriched them and prospered them. And so God allowed their enemies to come in on them and defeat them. They were defeated and they were hauled off as slaves, naked, marched through cities, naked. Their leaders, some of their leaders were literally blinded and thrown in prison. And they became slaves to people. That's Israel, God's chosen people. Why? Because they polluted the land with murder. But this is something amazing about God. You see, all that happened. And here's the thing. This, this is amazing. But God, verse verse uh, 45, it says this. He remembered his covenant with them and relented because of his unfailing love. He relented. God remembered the covenant he made. That's why covenant is so powerful. All that was going on. All that was going on. And, and they had done all this stuff. And, they, and, but, and, and God looked down and it says God remembered the covenant. And it moved God. It moved him. It moved his heart to have mercy. 
and regather them. And so God is like, that's how God is. God will allow things. And things will go, could go really bad, but there's a time when God will relent because God, towards His covenant people, He will see them and He will relent because He made this covenant. It's so powerful, really. It really talks about the beauty of the Lord. Well, I'm going to read you one more scripture. Are y'all, are y'all, yeah, y'all good. Oh, I wanted to give you a couple of this. This is a great quote right here. This is Mother Teresa. How many people know who Mother Teresa is? She, hey, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this quick Mother Teresa story. Shampa, y'all, y'all know who Shampa is, right? Shampa, who's come here and spoken. Shampa grew up in the neighborhood where Mother Teresa lived. Did not know anything. She said, oh, she was just this woman with big feet. <laughs> Knew nothing about how awesome she was until one day the president of the United States of America, who was Bill Clinton at that time, came to their neighborhood to to greet Mother Teresa. In fact, why is the president coming to our neighborhood? It was to see Mother Teresa. She was an amazing, powerful woman. This is what Mother Teresa said about abortion. Listen to this. Any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love but to use any violence to get what they want. There you go. Let me read it one more time. Any country, any country, U.S., India, Israel, you name it, any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love, but to use any violence to get what they want. And that, I believe, is one of the reasons our nation is aided with violence is if we could shut this door of abortion, I think it'd be like pulling the rug out from under the devil. And a lot of the people he has access to, it would be shut. This is like a major portal of hell in our country is abortion that's causing a lot of other problems. It's opened up hell on us. Here's what uh, President Ronald Reagan said. We cannot diminish the value of one category of human life, the unborn, without diminishing the value of all human life. We allow, when we allow abortion, we are diminishing ourselves. We're inflicting harm on ourselves. We're diminishing ourselves. We have to face this. We have to face this. We really do. Now, I'm going to read this last scripture, okay? I'm just checking and making sure you already know. Y'all... Everybody's here, okay? And then we're going to do, do, if you're online, get, if you have your cup. These are cool. These are really nice. You know why we got these? Well, let me tell you how bad the other ones was. The girl whose husband's, whose company makes these things, happened to be in church one Sunday here. I'm serious. When we were doing communion with the other cups... And she looked around and saw everybody fiddling and fumbling, trying to get to that bread. And then drinking that, like, mm. you know, about to throw up because it was like eating styrofoam bread. And I don't know what kind of grape juice they had in there. It was, it was something bad. I get a text from her husband that day. Hey, Byron, we got some better communion cups. If you would like to try them, I will give you 300 for free just to try. Yeah. I said, yeah, man, let's try them because I hate the ones that we have and and they sent these and they even have non-GMO bread in some of them so if you're into that 
well, gluten, gluten, non-gluten, whatever. I don't know about all that stuff. Ask Becky. She keeps up with it. I just do what she says when it comes to food. Yeah. Okay, anyways, back to this one, Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. We're going to finish. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. I saw a picture broke my heart of a baby that was just aborted. His skull was crushed. His skull was crushed. A little baby. That baby looked like one of my babies. It just came out of the, came out of the womb because it was late-term abortion. Crushed its little skull. And this is what it says, speak up for them. See, we, this is what we had to do. We have to speak up. And I think there's many things we have to speak up on, but this is one we all need to speak up on. Every one of us has to speak up on this one. There's other causes and concerns and situations that need to be spoke up for. Maybe not everybody is. Certain people will be assigned those. those. But for this, we have to. Uh, yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. So we do have God's ear, okay, we have God's ear. We have God's heart. And I think we can speak up. We speak up the same two ways we've been talking about. We speak up in our prayers. Okay? We speak up. We have a chance to speak up more this way. Be more intentional about it. us and several more churches around here together are speaking up this week. Making it this week our week to speak up about abortion. Okay? And then Saturday, do that. We speak up. Okay? Um, and then we vote. I'm going to just tell you, this is my political statement, never vote for any person. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they claim to be a believer. If they agree with abortion, don't vote for them. If you vote for them, if you vote for them, I tell you, you're complicit in murder. You're complicit and polluting the land. I don't care what anybody says. Go read the Bible. That's what God thinks. We can't vote for people who believe in abortion, period. I don't care if the other person's just not even qualified. Let's vote for them and ask God for to do something supernatural. Or write yourself in or get somebody to run. But don't do it. Don't do it. I, it's like compl- you're complicit if you do. You're complicit in murder. Now, we need to start being like this and facing these things. We can say what we want, but the Word of God takes precedent. Now, let me just read this one last thing. I hope you're okay. If you're not, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not tired. I'm sorry. This is from Martin Luther King, Jr. He says, The ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty of bad people. But the silence over that by the good people. You're the good people. We're the good people. He says, that's the ultimate tragedy is we kept our mouth shut. Our lives begin to end the day that we become silent about things that matter. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. That's why I think, you know, I've always been a, like against abortion but it's been in only the past few years when I really began to really understand the father's heart and begin to really understand how he as a father looks upon 
us human beings in the children, in the wounds of women. That's when I really began like, hey, this, this is atrocious to God. This is destroying God. This, is, this hurts God. And I just want to encourage you this morning, you know, that we would really ask the Lord about this. You know, you can, you can pray and you, and you can vote. You know, you can pray and vote. And if you feel led to go down there and feel like that's something you want to do, you can do that. You know, it would be a way to honor the, the Father's heart and to honor the Father. That you're saying, I agree with you, Father. This is wrong. And I'm going to go, and me, little me is nothing. Little me is nobody, but I am your son. And if I don't do anything else, that show up and say, this is wrong. I'm not voting for this person. I might like them. They might be lovely. They might be cool. But I'm not going to vote for them because they're standing on abortion. I'll walk away in my conscious feeling like that I have gave honor to God above man and above culture. And I really encourage you to start thinking that way. So we're going to do the communion right now. So if you get your cup, it's easy. Take and turn it over and get the bread out first. Don't turn it over and get the juice out first and then flip it over into your lap. That wouldn't be cool. I almost did that last time. I'm bad. And let's just pray together as we take this communion. And ask Jesus, first of all, we need to ask Jesus about our own selves, right? How many people have been kind of convicted lately of some stuff? Like, hey, let me confess a sin, a real sin to you. Uh, This week, um, I was driving down the road and I was thinking about the past few years of my life. And the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me, hidden to me, a root of insecurity in me that I thought I didn't know was there. And how that insecurity caused me to react in certain ways and respond to people and respond to circumstances in certain ways. And I just thought, oh my God, I didn't know that. It was like malware in the computer running in the background of my heart causing me to act bad in certain situations. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't know it, there was this insecure thread running in my heart that had never had never been touched by the Holy Spirit until that moment. And that moment I was repenting and saying, Lord, take it away. Uh, it's true, Lord. Take it away. I'm sorry, Lord. I, and so I, I think we're in a time where the Holy Spirit wants to do surgery on our hearts and like pull those little hidden threads out of us. Lots of times we deal with the fruit of things, but we don't deal with the root of them. We don't allow God to search our hearts and Him to point at something and say, that's why you're doing... And He just he showed me a bunch of things. And I was just like, I was regretful at that. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry I did that, Lord. That was wrong what I did in that situation. I could, have, I could have been more truthful in that situation. I could have not held back in that situation. I was focused on self in that situation. And it was 
No condemnation. It was getting free. And so I just pray that this morning, in all of our hearts, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to search us and say, Holy Spirit, search me. Maybe he doesn't say a word to you this morning. Maybe I was just driving down the road thinking about nothing when he spoke to me. And it was a good moment for Byron Wicker. In fact, I actually had to tell a couple of people, you know what? I did you wrong. What are you talking about? I did you wrong. When I could have stood up for you, I didn't. Because I was afraid. I was insecure. And it's like, oh, Byron, you're forgiven. But I wanted to say it because I felt I just really abused a couple of relationships. So, Holy Spirit, we're asking you this morning. This is not something that we can do about without you. We can't repent without you. We can't search our own hearts. We can't make ourselves right. But you can. And I believe, Lord, you've made us right. I think that's the, the awesome thing is you've made us right. And you're just helping us get rid of baggage that we've been carrying or stuff that's got attached to us. And so I just ask you today for every one of us that would be people who would allow, allow the power of the Spirit to have his way inside of us. And I thank you for the body of Jesus. I thank you for the body of Jesus. I thank you that that's the ultimate covenant. That you became, you became bread for us. You became life for us. So we just take this bread and we say, this is the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for me and for the whole world. And we eat this bread today as if it is literally the body of Jesus. And we take this cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that was poured out for all humanity, for all time. That children wouldn't have to be sacrificed because you sacrificed yourself for all children. And if it's a sin on any other level, it's a sin where we take and shed children's blood when there's already been blood poured out for them. And I pray for every woman that's going to have, try to have an abortion this week that they would change their mind. They would change their mind. And they would somehow, in the midst of their terrible circumstances and all the confusion and all the pressure and all of the lies and all the stuff, they would just find the love of God. And I pray that for people who do abortions. Lord, we don't condemn them today. We don't judge them today. The people who own abortion clinics. Lord, the politicians who, who, uh, who are in agreement with it and promote it. We don't judge them. We, don't, we believe that your mercy extends to them. And Lord, there's pain in their hearts and their life that has caused them to take these bad roads. And I just pray that somehow that the body of Christ would not be condemners, but healers. That we could heal the pain of the world, Lord. 
where people wouldn't want to do that stuff anymore. People wouldn't want to abort children. People wouldn't want to, to do the abortions. People wouldn't want to riot. People wouldn't want to do hurtful things. People wouldn't want to murder babies or any person. Lord, that the mercy of God would come into our nation. Like it says, you relented, you remembered your covenant. Lord, you made the covenant for everybody. We just happen to be the ones who've accepted it. And we're asking you today in the name of Jesus, as we take this blood into our own life in a new way, in a fresh way, to remember Jesus, that we would literally become the voice of Jesus in this earth. And you would show us how to do it, Lord. So we just take this blood. Thank you that you've forgiven us, Lord. And thank you that you've healed us. And so let healing flow like a river in this room right now as we receive the body and blood of Jesus. Let the healing power of the cross and let us be people of the cross. Well, amen. I'm going to wait a minute and let you finish. I see somebody. I don't want to mess. If you want to sit there for a moment with the Lord, that would be a good thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see you, Maya. I just really felt strongly in my heart that if anyone needs healing from having an abortion, especially uh, women, or maybe even a man where you were in a relationship and your girlfriend or whatever had an abortion, there is healing for that. Uh, Please, Crystal, would you stand up again? There's a ministry that partners with Love Life called Restored Life, and we'd like to connect you with that ministry. If that is something that you need to go after for healing in your own heart and life. I just feel it really felt like what Byron said earlier. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to carry the scars. You don't have to carry the pain. You don't have to carry the shame. God wants to bring healing and restoration and wholeness in your life. And uh, there are ministries and resources that are out there that are available to help you walk through that particular struggle. So we just want to Release the grace of God to you today, the forgiveness, the healing that God has in his heart and his kingdom for you today. And we just want to make you aware of that resource that's available. God bless you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. If, if you are that person, know that you are totally loved and you are totally accepted. And you were totally embraced, not only by God, but the body of Christ. We will never condemn you for that. We would never judge you. Just know that. Don't let the devil tell you otherwise. And get help if you need help. It's there. Well, I noticed I spilled grape juice up here. (laughs) All right, so if you want to just settle here for a moment, if you need prayer, you know, Marlon and uh, Louise and Will, they'll lay hands on you. But Otherwise, we're just going to God bless you and keep you and have a great week, and Maya's going to come back up and conclude. <laughs> this is a God story. Um, we had a Sam's uh, delivery truck that was delivering pallets of milk to Sam's. Their whole load was rejected because some of the gallons of milk had burst. They found us on the internet somehow, and they came with their whole transfer trailer truck full of milk here today and donated it to the Father's table. So... We will be distributing milk after the service to anyone who would like milk, and we'll have it available for our food pantry as well. So, sort of random today, but God's good. So, amen and amen.
Yeah, so, like Byron said, we're going to wrap up. We're done unless you would like prayer. So if you're on the ministry team, come on up. And if the Lord is still doing something in you, I would really encourage you to make a wise choice and respond to him because there's no better choice you make. So come on up um, if you like prayer. And otherwise, be blessed. Have a great rest of your day.